Success is about more than just business strategies. It's also about aligning with your higher purpose and clearing inner obstacles that stand in the way. I say this because you deserve to do what you love and to feel fulfilled along the way. And the reality is you're likely spending more time than you'd like to stuck in self-doubt. You may be asking yourself things like, why do I never seem to reach my biggest goals no matter how hard I work? Or why do I never quite feel like I've done enough, have enough, or am enough? If any of these sound familiar, you are not alone. And I've been there too. The good news is that the solution is simpler than you think. I'm sharing it inside my new four-day women's immersion, The Inner Critic Cure. This live four-day event includes daily classes, potent practices, and a brilliant supportive community of like-minded women. And best of all, it's only $37. This method is gentle yet powerful, and it actually works even when others haven't because it's based on a proven psychotherapeutic framework called Internal Family Systems or IFS. By the time you leave, you'll have the knowledge and tools to not only heal your relationship with those harsh inner voices, but to turn them into your strongest allies now and for the rest of your life. So join us to discover how to put an end to those negative voices that have held you back from your biggest dreams and desires. So you can live into the full potential you know is possible for you in both your business and in your life. You can learn more and join us inside the Inner Critic Cure at programs-saravonstover.com forward slash immersion. That's programs-saravonstover.com forward slash immersion. I'd love to see you there. Hello, sisters. Welcome to She Talks, a space for you to come home to yourself. And a warm welcome to another episode in our special summertime series, Poolside Sutras. For the next few weeks, I'll be sharing a handful of episodes, each dropping some feminine wisdom and answering the most common struggles you asked about when I inquired, what's holding you back in your women's yoga and meditation practice and teaching? I'm Sarah Von Stover. And in today's talk, I'm going to address the biggest, most common problem we all face in our practice, which is quite simply just doing it. Okay, so I've heard from you that you struggle with finding the space, the time, the motivation, the energy, and the consistency to practice. And while all of these things need to be cultivated personally, And I can't do that for you, nor would I want to rob you of the opportunity to find that within yourself. I can share with you what has helped me to develop a consistent daily yoga and meditation practice now for two decades and counting, and what has helped other women in our community to do the same successfully. So in case you're joining us for the first time Just to give you a little bit of context, I'm also the creator of the world's first women's yoga teacher training, and I just recently opened up registration for the new and improved version of this, which is called the She Yoga and Meditation Teacher Training. And my intention behind creating this summertime podcast series for you is to give you some emotional 
support, practical tools to use right away in order to enrich just really every dimension of your life through having a fulfilling and nourishing and personalized women's yoga and meditation practice. So this particular series of She Talks will also give you a good idea of what I'll be teaching in this She Yoga and Meditation teacher training, which is a week-long practice intensive designed for yoga teachers, women who are aspiring to teach yoga to women, and women who simply want to deepen their practice. So registration for this training is open for a couple more weeks, and you can learn all about it at sheyogatraining.com. And now pull up your chaise lounge and soak in the twinkling blue view. And let's dive into today's topic, developing a daily practice for life. One of the, actually a bundle of the biggest struggles that many of you wrote in about when I asked, what are your biggest struggles with your women's yoga and meditation practice? You named that you really struggled with finding the time, with being consistent, with finding the motivation and finding the space and the energy to actually do it. And all of those are really interrelated and they're so universal to all of us who endeavor to develop a daily practice. And we're here today and part of this community, part of this whole worldwide sangha of sisters is to really support each other in developing a daily practice for life that will allow us to confront ourselves, to be intimate with ourselves, and to be intimate with all of life and what it is that we're here to live and to stand for. So hopefully today's talk will give you some tools or some reminders, some inspiration to keep digging this well really deep, because if there's anything in your life that's going to nurture you day in and day out, come hell or high water, it is your practice. Your practice is your foundation, your anchor. It will, it's like a garden. And the more that you tend to it, the more it will give back to you in miraculous ways that you could have never expected. And I speak to this from my own personal experience, having now two decades of a daily practice. And I can't even imagine where I'm going to be by the end of my life. Hopefully I'll live a long life, but just where this daily practice can lead us. I, it, it has already provided me with so much strength, so much inspiration, so much magic and that's that's what I'm here to share and to help us all to really partake in and anchor in our own lives. So I want to start with a little personal story. And in the last episode, I shared about when I first moved to Thailand and there were no teachers there initially. And I had I was pretty new, you know, like 
three or four years into my yoga practice, but it wasn't, I didn't have a home practice. So when I moved to Thailand, I realized that if I wanted to keep doing yoga, I was going to need to develop that home practice. And I knew it was really going to be up to me. And I shared with you that I got a videotape, which helped at that time. And some other things that helped is that I set up a sacred space in my home. I had a little living room and that had my TV and my VCR and it didn't have much furniture. And I would lay out my yoga mat and light a candle and some incense and I would do my practice and I would do it in the late afternoon at that time. I was a school teacher, so the mornings were were pretty busy. I had to get up quite early and usually was doing some work, you know, prepping lessons. So it was really the end of the day when I could unwind and do my yoga practice. And that kind of consistency of creating the atmosphere, having a certain space, having a certain time, having an inspiration to practice, you know, having that Richard Freeman video cassette really helped me. And then as yoga started to become more available in that area and I and I found a teacher, you know, there were certain days of the week, I think it was like two or three days a week that there were classes and I would and I would do those on certain days and I would do my home practice on other days. And that really helped me to lock in a daily yoga practice. From there it is it is it really took root. And even more so, I think it was just a, um, a couple of years after that, maybe just one year after that, I, I went back to the U.S. and did a 200-hour Yoga Alliance teacher training where we did yoga every day, all day for one month. And after that, I was totally gung-ho about my home practice. And I haven't looked back ever since then. Of course, there's times when I get in a rut, when I'm uninspired, where I feel like I've plateaued and I'm just not I'm just not having any new insights or new developments. And those are other sorts of problems that we'll talk about a little bit later on today. And the same thing is true with a meditation practice. I, when I moved to Thailand, I was really interested in having a daily meditation practice or even just learning how to meditate, period. But Despite different books that I would read or audios I would listen to, I just couldn't, I just couldn't bring myself to do it. But when I did a 10 day Buddhist meditation retreat in Thailand, my first year there, that, that locked me into a daily practice that hasn't wavered since then. And it was because of that, that inspiration, that full immersion that I really, really felt inspired to bring it into my life in a major way. And I, I speak to both yoga and meditation because we need both. They're, they're really meant to go together. And our yoga, or we could say our asana practice, is really a preparation to help us to sit in meditation, to help our bodies be open enough to help our minds and our energy bodies be steady enough to be able to sit in stillness and in silence for extended periods of time. And when paired together on a daily basis, it's like a 
It's like a dental flossing for our minds, for our energy and emotional bodies, and also for our physical bodies. And as I look back over these past 20 years, when I first developed this daily practice of yoga and meditation, I see that now, you know, just a couple of years away from 40, I feel better now than I did when I was 20. No joke in my body, in my mind, in my heart, I feel younger, I feel happier, I feel healthier. And I really attribute this to to my daily practice. It's really where where I heal on a daily basis. So let's dive in because I want this for all of us. It is such a great resource for us to find our strength, our vibrancy, our sovereignty for just continually coming home to ourselves, which again is a lifelong journey. So the first piece is essential. And many of you wrote in that you just don't have a space either because of your family because you work at home and it's hard to find a serene space when you also work at home. Some of you share that it's just really messy and cluttered and it's hard, it's overwhelming for you to try to drop into more of a sacred space in that kind of environment. And some of you shared that It's more just that you don't have the energetic space, that you're always caring for other people and you're not really taking the time to care for yourself. So in this case, there's no way, no way that you're going to develop a consistent daily practice if you don't have a space. So a space can be a corner in a room. My space, I'm sitting in my home office, is right behind me. It's, it's, it's a part of my workspace, but it's only used for that. It's where I roll out my yoga mat. I have my meditation cushion. I have my altar. And we want to have a steady space and use the same things. Use the same meditation cushion. Use the same yoga mat. I have this buckwheat crescent-shaped meditation cushion that's covered in black cotton fabric that I had handmade when I was visiting Rishikesh, India about 10 years ago. And that cushion has been with me on countless meditation retreats through every meditate, pretty much every meditation sit that I've done, except if I'm traveling somewhere and I don't want to carry that heavy pillow. But I'm religious about it because that pillow gathers the energy of my practice. Same, I have a pashmina from Nepal that I call my magic cape and that I always leave folded on top of my cushion here at home. And I bring it with me when I travel because when I put it on my lap or when it's colder outside and I wrap it around me, it just, it drops me into my practice space is that cushion And that shawl just carry all of the times that I have sat in stillness. There's there's a vibration that they carry that I attune to when I take my seat. And the same is true for for my yoga mat. So you want to have these items in place that gather the energy of your practice and that keep calling you back 
I mentioned also an altar. I I have altar little altars pretty much in every room of my home, but I have one main altar which has the images, deities, things from nature. Right now I have some pink rose petals that have been on my altar, some dried rose petals for a while, a special candle. And we want these items to represent things that really inspire us in the here and now. So when we take our seat, we remember why we're practicing. We are remembering what we care about, what, why it is that we even want to carve out this time. And with, when there's clutter, we, and when there's messiness, there, it's really not going to be possible for us to find a, a sense of inner spaciousness. So I really encourage, you know, if you're not the type of person that does well with decluttering or organizing, hire someone. Or if money's tight, do a trade. Or I love the book, The Magic Art of Tidying Up. It's just really has helped me to get my home to be even more serene, more streamlined. And it's really worth taking the time to do that, especially in the space that you're practicing in. Now, the other piece is setting energetic boundaries. So communicating to friends, family, housemates, this is the time that I'm practicing and I really don't want to be disturbed or to share the context upon which they can disturb you. In the past, I've let partners know, you know, if you need something, you can come in. If you're leaving, you can come in and kiss me goodbye. Some women welcome their children to come crawl over them as they're meditating or to sit in their lap, to be part of their yoga practice, to not make it separate. And you're welcome to choose what is right for you, but it's important that you choose and that you communicate that clearly And that you really carve out the boundaries of this personal space for yourself. And use your voice, use your strength to do that. Another thing that many of you shared is that you simply don't have time. There's no time. And I invite you to consider that we all have the same number of hours in the day. So people who get a lot done, who have incredible responsibilities, have the same number of hours. We all have the same 24 hours a day. Whenever I think that I'm really busy, I think about like President Obama. And I think about how he wakes up, how he works out every morning, and then how he runs the country. Or his wife, Michelle, does the same. And they also have two children. So it's a matter of what we do with our time, what we do with these 24 hours, and what are our priorities. To really clarify our priorities, write them down to know at any certain time in life, what are our top three priorities in order to get clear because they can shift from time to time. And then take an honest assessment of how you're spending your time on a daily basis. And most of us have pockets of time 
some can be small, some can be quite extensive where we're pretty much wasting time. Maybe watching too much TV or spending too much time on the internet, checking our phone too much. And to see where can we spare an extra 15 to 60 minutes to do a daily practice. So it's a decision. And unfortunately, willpower and discipline and devotion are not things that we can buy at a pharmacy or the grocery store. They're things that we need to draw upon within ourselves to see, am I spending my time each day in service of who I want to be, how I want to live, how I want to contribute to this world and how I can be of most use to myself and those around me. And with this, as with this problem of having no time, you know, some of you share that you have a very irregular schedules, you travel a lot. And I can say that, you know, when I, when I travel, I still do my practice. And in a lot of ways, it's easier. A lot of ways, my, my practice is stronger when I'm traveling because there are less distractions. So I wake up in the morning and I just do my practice. There's not as many things to do around the house. You know, there's not needing to water the plants or to walk the dog or to put the dishes away, but it's just waking up, doing my practice and then getting on with whatever I need to do on that travel day. So again, it's a decision. The, the third common problem that you all voiced was that you just have no energy and that you'd rather sleep in, in the morning. You need that extra sleep. The first thing I would ask you to consider is that a great day starts the night before. And if you really want to wake up early in the morning to practice or simply just to wake up in the morning and have the energy to practice, you need to look at what you're doing the previous night. You know, what time are you eating dinner? If, if you're eating really late, that's going to really affect your sleep. Personal experiment you can try. Same if you're on your devices. Study after study show that it's really hard to sleep when we are on our devices at night and we're exposed to the light from our screens. So choose a time when you're going to get off technology or install an app like Flux to help to darken your screen as the night progresses. But best just to choose a time when you're just going to power down. And to have a consistent bedtime as much as you can. And this isn't to say, you know, not to have nights where you go out and you eat late and you have fun. We need those too. But if you're really wanting to have a consistent morning practice, really look at how you are the night before. And some of you voice that you're just simply not a morning person. So it's really hard for you to practice in the morning. And I say, that's fine. Choose another time. Just like when I was in Thailand, I, in a school teacher, I couldn't practice in the morning or I didn't want to wake up super early you know, to do my practice. And then to prepare my lesson. So I did it at the end of the day. So you can do it at the end of the day. You can do it during a lunch break. Again, it's important that you choose. 
The next thing to consider when we're looking at energy levels is to remember that it's not all or nothing. So it's not that if you don't have an hour that you can't do anything at all. It's good that we all have in our toolkit a repertoire of different practices, like a short, a medium, and a long practice. So depending upon how much time you have available, we have options. So I know, you know, if I didn't sleep well and therefore I need to sleep later and maybe I have morning meetings that I'm not going to have time to do my usual practice, but maybe I'm going to have to do the shortest possible version, which for me is 12 minutes. And that always is doable. And even if I can't do it, you know, right in the morning, if I need, just need to get dressed and get to the meeting, then I can do it during my lunch break, or I can do it at the end of the day or during a break during the day. And it's not, it's not like I need to fit in a whole two hour practice. I can just do that little bit and it drops me into what I need to remember. It grounds me enough to show up in the way that I want to show up and it works. It leaves me feeling good about myself and connected to my priorities. Something else to consider is that, and this, this was something that I used to really struggle with a lot, having my background in power yoga and shtanga yoga, is I thought that every session had to leave me feeling sweaty and like I had a workout. And I really have had to let go of that. I've had to let go of seeing my yoga practice as my daily exercise because I found that that just put too much pressure on it to be more athletic. And it's great when it can be that, but I, I learned to really seek my exercise through other things like going for a hike or going to a dance class, or going to a Pilates class at the gym, or going to lift weights, and to see my yoga practice as a time of connecting to myself, and honoring my body, listening to my body, and opening my breath and my body to to life, and to each moment. So it's really important that we use skillful means. You know, if we don't have energy to really pause and assess, how am I feeling today? And what, what is my energy level? And from that, what, would, what kind of practice would bring harmony and balance? And in that way, you know, one of my friends who is also a really beautiful yoga teacher Many years ago, she said that our yoga practice should be like a delicious dessert. So we don't, we don't want to avoid it, but we're excited to show up for it. So if we're really tired, even just doing one restorative pose, you know, laying over a bolster and putting our feet in butterfly position and putting on an eye bag and covering up with a blanket, setting a timer for 20 minutes can be so delicious and that that can be the practice. So when there's no energy, really just look at what are you asking of yourself and what would actually fit with your energy. 
the fourth, the fourth and fifth things, the common themes in this category that you all shared, I'm going to bunch together. It is, you shared that you lack motivation and that you lack consistency. So you mentioned that sometimes your practice just feels boring. And this is something, again, I know we can all relate to. I certainly can. We, we get in ruts. And boredom is an obstacle in the mind that is a part of our path of practice. Not to avoid, you know, it's not just that we need more stimulation, but we also need to learn just how to sit with boredom, how to sit with boredom in our meditation practice. These kind of obstacles and challenges to practice are things that I'm going to be focusing on in a future episode. So you, you want to learn how to be with boredom, see it as an obstacle of the mind and learn tools to work with it. And you want to look at getting new input. So it's it's a both and kind of situation. So when we reach a plateau, we know that it's probably time to re-engage with our teachers, to re-engage with our spiritual community, to re-engage with practices that will inspire us and light us up and get us excited to come back to our mat and our cushion. And this is why I recommend and do for myself that throughout a given year, I schedule a certain number of retreats and professional trainings for myself so that I can keep going deeper in my meditation and yoga practice. And as a yoga teacher and meditation teacher, also to deepen my skills in what I teach other people. So you want to have those you know, interspersed depending upon your availability and your budget, you know, but at least one a year. Because when when you leave that, just like I shared how initially I started my meditation practice and my daily yoga practice, you know, after my yoga teacher training, after my first meditation retreat, because I was so inspired. I was just unstoppable. I wanted to keep going with what I learned. I didn't want it to slip away just become a memory of the past. And in that way, now I still carry with me that teacher training and that meditation retreat because I haven't let the practice go. But I keep reinfusing it with new energy each time I go to a new retreat or each time I go to a new training. And even just on a regular basis, finding teachers to go to their classes um, for instance, like our she school, we have we have monthly retreats to engage with new practices. I'm always sharing new things that I've learned with the women there. And as a community, everyone can support each other in having a daily practice, in showing up, in deepening. And that kind of team spirit really, really helps a lot. And of course, when there's no motivation, we need to know, you know, when, when do we need to kind of turn up the inner fire? If we're not, if every day we're doing a restorative yoga practice or a yin practice, we, we need to look at, so how can I bring more fire? How can I bring more heat? How can I bring more strength and vigor into my practice? Or maybe it's vice versa. 
And that will cue us into maybe what kind of teachers we need to study with or what kind of retreats or trainings we need to go to, again, to seek that harmony and balance. And in terms of consistency, that, again, is really found through inspiring teachers, through spiritual community, and through ongoing retreats and trainings. So I invite you now, you know, if you're wanting to have a daily practice for life, if you're wanting to start that, if you're wanting to reinvigorate that, choose one little step from something I shared. Maybe it's decluttering your space. Maybe it's speaking some boundaries and some needs to those in your household. Maybe it's taking an honest assessment of how you spend your time and refraining from a time waster, something that isn't related to your highest life priorities. Maybe it's developing an evening routine to help you get to bed earlier or choosing to lower the bar to have a really short practice to do in the morning so you're not asking too much of yourself. Maybe it's scheduling a retreat or training to reinvigorate your practice in your life. Now choose one, but only one, okay? If you feel inspired and if, if, you, if you do that one after a couple of weeks and you're doing well with it, then add more. But I often find that we can set the bar too high and then end up with failure and feeling like, oh, you know, I couldn't even do this. So there's no way I can have a daily practice. But make success easy. Just one little thing to get moving in the direction you want to go in. All right. So I would love to hear from you how things are going. And I'm sending you a lot of space, time, energy, motivation, and consistency. Much love. In our upcoming She Yoga and Meditation Teacher Training, we're going to be addressing all of these pieces so that really every woman leaves infused with the tools that she needs to reignite her practice and to help the women in her community also to catch that flame in their home practices. Now, women from literally around the world, as far away as Australia, Malaysia, Japan, Czech Republic, Denmark, France, and even as close to home here as New York and Vancouver fly in for intensives like this. And oftentimes these women return year after year, overcoming usually tremendous obstacles in doing that with childcare and flight costs and taking time out of work. But one of the big reasons why women go through such great lengths to come to these intensives and then to keep coming back is the power of our sisterhood and the power of what they return home with. So truly, women become friends and practice allies for life at these trainings. And they get so inspired with their practice and they help to stay in touch with one another and to keep cheering each other on once they return home. Because truly, we're not meant to do this alone. We can't have a really fulfilling, consistent, inspired daily practice alone, even though we need to ultimately do it alone. 
So speaking of this Shi Yoga and Meditation teacher training, it's open for registration right now, but only for a couple more weeks. Since I only offer it once a year, and since it takes a lot of energy and momentum just to pour everything that I have into this one event that I host a year, we only open up registration for a few weeks, which is happening now. So if some of the things I touched upon in today's talk resonate with you, and if you'd like to get some fiercely loving support and really skillful instruction on how to implement some of this, along with so much that I didn't share, I invite you to explore this Shi Yoga and Meditation teacher training. So with joining us, you'll have a week away from the usual hustle and bustle of your life in California's wine country, Calistoga to be exact. And your days will be filled with guided women's meditation practices, yin and flow yoga sessions. And I'll also be sharing under the hood techniques for teaching all of these things to other women. And in between sessions, because I really appreciate time for rest and integration, you'll be able to take nature walks on the grounds, go for swims or soaks in the saltwater pool and hot tub. And of course, since I'm a big foodie, enjoy really delicious meals savored in silence or with your new friends. So stepping away from your life for a week to immerse yourself in practice, nature, silence, and sisterhood truly changes everything for the better. I wouldn't be who I am today without doing this on a regular basis. So your parenting, your creativity, your connection to the divine, your self-esteem, your health, and your overall outlook on life will change for the better. Because when you come home to yourself, you come home to the life that you most long to live, to the one that you're really here to live. I invite you to head on over to sheyogatraining.com to learn more about this practice intensive and to join me and our sisterhood for our next gathering happening in April, 2017. I hope today's talk has helped to inspire your practice in some way. And until our next episode in a few days, I send you my heartfelt support. Thank you so much for being part of our sisterhood.